0: had done pretty regularly on um game day sunday is to regardless of whether or not i think the packers are going to win whether the matchup is favorable it's it's positivity sunday which is where we just kind of get jacked up and you know packers win no matter what kind of a little pep rally kind of deal but i feel like i've done that for about two weeks now so we're not going that route today i want to look a little bit more at some of the other games um to be honest, I'm not exactly entirely sure of the direction. I keep kind of changing it in my head every time I think about it from just sort of a general let's look at the other games to let's look at the other games with their play or their implications toward the Packers. I guess we could do both. Let's do both. What do you think? I think we should do both. Um, also want to go through injury updates because obviously the Packers uh, will be playing a good portion of these teams, so it'll be good to look at what's going on there. For example, I just saw Jeff Okuda is not going to play, which makes a big difference. Not that I really expect rookies to have a big impact week one with no preseason, et cetera, et cetera but still, makes a big difference, right? Stuff like that. Um, relatively big announcement for those that are interested, because I know I've had a lot of requests to do these kinds of things. I'm not going to go live during the game as much as I would love to do something like that. Um... Football is obviously important because I'm a fan of it. It's not a job, and I don't want it to really become a job. I mean, this, I don't mind working for this stuff, but when it's actually game time, I want to watch football. I want to actually enjoy it. I want to spend time with, well, at least my son. Everybody else is my youngest. Well, my, what used to be my youngest. I now have a new youngest. My second youngest suddenly decided she doesn't like football anymore, which was pretty devastating. Hopefully that changes when the Packers are playing. We'll see what happens. But anyways, I like watching football with my family for those that actually like watching it, which as of right now is me and my son. But at least my oldest stopped saying she liked the Bears just to annoy me, so that's that's good. That was a big milestone right there. But I am planning on doing, uh, let's say, 11 to 11.30 Central, so we'll start the stream roughly an hour before game time. Don't really have a plan for it. Ideally, it's, you know, interactive. If not, I should probably think of something to say, but uh, I want to start doing that maybe halftime, but there's not a lot of time, so probably not. And then I'll, I'll, there's a game starting pretty quickly after. I may do a stream after the game. I think if the Packers lose, I'll just nix the whole thing because usually after a loss, nobody wants to talk. Everybody wants to be alone. So we'll just for sure say no. If they win, I may go back on Facebook so we can have a little pep rally after the fact. We'll see how it goes. We'll play it by ear. If nobody shows up to the pregame, then we'll just Forget the whole thing. But make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. That's where you're going to see that. And I think what I'm going to do today, um, and it's risky because there's a good chance I'll forget, but that's to your benefit. Um, I'm just going to get started. A lot of times there isn't a clear divide where I can uh, take a little break, but it's always good to give a little content before you jump right into commercials, am I right? So why don't we just get this thing kicked off here? Of course, the one time I actually get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I have no plans to make another video. And, um, whatever. I got to think of something to do. I got five hours to prep for my live stream. (laughs) Also, um, the CBS Sports Pick'em Pool, I will try to remember to put another link in the Facebook group, Facebook page, Twitter, etc. to get uh, some more people in there. I know we already missed Thursday, but it's not a big deal. Still get in there. Again, the winner of every single week, I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you so choose, to somehow be interactive on my YouTube channel. Probably not going to be you and me actually making a video because it's too hard to just schedule everything, but uh, send in pics, a video, something or another. We'll figure something out. So, some incentive to week to week get in there and make some pics. Ooh, and we got a lot of people in here. Nice. Tons of people put 16 on Kansas City, which, fair enough. I gave the Texans a half a chance. Reminder again, David Davis, Elliot Malza, Joey Ross, Jordan Simpson. again, assuming that's Simpson, Zach J. Jason? Get your picks in, man. I'm excited. We did this last year. Not this many people were in it. I'm, I'm pretty jacked up. I don't even want to count this many people. I, I will because I'm curious, but let's see. So we've got 37 people that have their picks in, 42 people if we factor in everybody, including who did and did not make their picks. So nice. Anyways, I wanted to pull that up because there's a good chance as I go through this and look at my injuries and whatnot, I'll be adjusting my, my rankings. Also, somebody in the Facebook group was calling out everybody that put 16 on Kansas City as cowards for not putting the Packers down. And I was like, yeah, I better go change mine now, because <laughs> I did not put 16 on the Packers. Uh, I, I just, I'm, look, let's just start there, because we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the uh, Packers-Vikings, because, you know, we've done that for two weeks, and as far as I know, let me just check, nothing has changed. Uh, yep nothing has changed. Randy Ramsey is out. Billy Turner and Montrevious are doubtful, which more or less means they're out. Raven Green is questionable, which basically means he's going to play. Not 100%, but pretty likely. Uh, Mercedes and Oren Burks were not even on this. uh, There's no game status, which I believe means they're just 100% ready to go. And there's nobody on the Vikings. Uh, Injury report, so they're good to go. Again, that doesn't include IR. So, I mean... Look, everything I've said, and JJ, you got to stop getting me in fights, man. <laughs> JJ goes on Twitter, says, "Just like the Pack Daddy says, this is a layup," and then everybody just starts trashing him, and it's like, dude, chill. I did say it, but it was in the midst of, in the midst of passion. <laughs> Look, intellectually on paper, I've made the case that the Packers are the better team. I don't think there's any doubt about it. The way I think about it is this. Um, I got a friend that I've mentioned a few times, doesn't watch football anymore. He's far too emotional about football and he gets way too angry about everything. He's the guy that would smash the Madden controller, right? He's that guy because he told his brother, just let the computer catch it. Don't switch to the guy and catch it. Just leave it. You know, when it was him and his brother against me and Matt and then his brother switched to it and then he dropped it and then he punched his brother and smashed his, you know, he's that guy. Anyways. He used to play fantasy football, and he would dedicate hours and hours and hours and hours. He knew everything inside and out. He had it all figured out. And he lost every year. Now, he didn't lose because he was wrong. He's right. But there's, there's two kinds of right. There's right in terms of making the best choices based on the best available information, and then there's right in hindsight. Let me, let me give you a more specific example. Let's say you've got like a spinny wheel, right? And there's like a hundred little things on this wheel. 99 of them are black. One of them is red. The correct choice based on all available information is black. If you spin the wheel and it ends up red, was it the right choice to pick black? Yes, it was. That's absolutely the right choice to pick black. And that's the same thing with the Packer game. If the Packers lose this game and everybody says, ha ha, you actually thought the Packers would win. Right, because that was the right thing to think. Based on all available information, that doesn't mean 100% they're going to win. It means the Packers are the better team. They should win the game, and that is the better bet to make. Now, in hindsight, anything's possible. So, several different examples of, of where my head's at. Now, my heart, the thing that is understands any given Sunday and remembers all the times you looked at it and said the Packers should do this and that, and they're going to be able to win, run the ball easily, and then they can't run the ball, or you get all jacked up and hyped up, and then the Packers come out, and they go three and out or whatever. And you know divisional games are tough. And that part of me is really, really scared. Part of it is just because it's the Packers. And if it was, you know, just two random teams and I just looked at the matchup, I wouldn't care and I would probably put the Packers quite a bit higher. I'm just scared, man. Yes, I'm a coward. 100%. I, I, I'm not... I said this on Twitter yesterday. I'm, I'm simultaneously super excited and also just not ready for this. I'm not emotionally prepared to watch this game. I'm so terrified of, of waiting all this time to watch the Green Bay Packers come out, look terrible, and get beat by the Vikings. I'm not ready for that. And the fact that I know that there's a possibility of that is like, I just, man, I, got, I, I have to specifically prepare for that scenario. Because then then it's horrible, too, because then all the other games are terrible. You know, you want to get excited, like there's that, and then there's a bunch of other football. But after they lose, it's like, I don't want to watch football anymore, man. This is stupid. I hate football. You know what I mean? but also same same i think i said it about the texans i I deleted so many episodes and went back and redid everything stop it go away thank you very much these are all the alarms i've been sleeping through the past week by the way i'm sorry if this is kind of quiet and you have to turn it up a little bit extra there's so many little noises this morning i don't want any background noise so i kind of turned it down a little bit extra Same thing I said for the Texans, right? The Texans lost, but I'm actually pretty encouraged about a couple different things. You know, you want to see some production from the wide receivers. You want to come out healthy. You want to see the running back produce. You know the offensive line is no good. You know that going into it, you knew that that was the case last year and the year before that and the year before that, and guess what? They went to the playoffs every year. You lost to the Chiefs, who are a very good team. You're fine, dude. Relax. Don't overreact to one loss. It's not a big deal. It's it's the hardest team to play against in the NFL. If your season is hung up on one game, week one against the Chiefs, that's ridiculous. Kind of the same here. Now, the difference being the Vikings are not only a much worse team than the Chiefs, they're also completely crippled without Daniil Hunter. And, uh, you know, lacking experience at corner. Those guys are only going to get better as the season goes on, presumably. So you're, you're kind of kicking them while they're down a little bit. So it is a little bit different, but still, it's, it's week one. You can lose this game, come back and be okay. I just, I just... You know, I am i can't handle that. Not ready for that. So that's where I'm at, and I don't think I'm going to move it. And I, I sometimes I do that as well. I, I kind of do that, I'll, I'll call it a coward thing. I'll either put the Packers really low, or I'll just pick the other team. That way I kind of hedge my, my emotions a bit. I think last year I picked the Packers every game just because I wanted to be a homer, which actually obviously worked out in my favor quite a bit. But it's kind of nice to have the disappointment be, man, I wish I put more points on the Packers rather than, you lose your 16 points, and you know, Packers lose. Anyways, I think I'm gonna leave it at that. Very excited, very nervous. I wish this nervousness meant I was too sick to eat, but I'm sure my diet is gonna be horrible today. That's just a thing that has to happen. I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start from. I'm just gonna give you my picks. I don't really care. It gives me a competitive disadvantage, but I don't really want to win anyways. I want. I want one of you guys to win so that you know. Because if I win, what am I gonna do? Put myself on the on my YouTube channel? That's no fun. I'm going to start with, with my 16 and work my way down. And again, I may adjust these as we go, but that's just how I'm going to do it. So so my 16 right now, for the record, Kansas City and Houston, I put 10. But my 16, I put Philadelphia over Washington. I have no respect for the Washington Redskins whatsoever. And my PFF is still not working. I've sent them four requests to please fix it, and they just refuse. Apparently, they don't work on weekends, which is the stupidest thing ever either that or they tend to ignore people a little bit extra on the weekends but you know football is on the weekend so that's great but the fact of the matter is even if haskins takes a step which i doubt because their offensive line is terrible they don't have a running back they don't have a tight end they do have mclaurin who's a good wide receiver and i don't necessarily respect the eagles corners but they at least have darius slay to go up against mclaurin and you know just the pass rush up against this offensive line I mean, it, it, just, it just seems really bad for Haskins, right? Last year there was all this talk, you know, he's he's like yelling at his guys. It just seemed like he wasn't getting along with anybody and nobody really liked him. I don't expect him to take a step in any capacity, largely because I just don't really believe in him, number one, but also because he's just not in a conducive environment to take a step. It's not impossible. It's just very unlikely. And again, even if he does, it's still not enough. I mean, if, he's, if he becomes sort of a, a Matt Stafford-esque, you know, Good, not great, you know Matt Stafford has experience, so he's got the cerebral nature of being a really good quarterback that Haskins isn't going to have. He's got a better offensive line. he's got much more weapons, tight end wide receiver and running back. and again the Eagles are just they're just a better team. The defense is going to be all over this. They're not going to be able to run. they're going to have to be one dimensional. I just think the Washington Redskin or the Washington team is going to be one of the worst in football, including defensively I mean they they do have Chase Young maybe, maybe, maybe Montez Sweat takes a step. I wasn't a big fan of his to begin with. I know a lot of Packer fans wanted him. I just, I was not a believer. But even so, the defensive line is not great. The corners are not good. Linebackers are not good. The safeties aren't great. Even even Landon Collins, who they paid a billion dollars to, is not very good. There's just, there's nothing here. And this defense is going to stop one of the better offensive lines in football. Even though the Red, the, the, these the, the Eagles, are not having their starting running back. That's not a, a, a major a major point of their offense anyway, and it's not even a, their miles. Their running back is not a major portion of their run game either. It's the offensive line that makes that thing work. Their top two receivers are their tight ends, but they also have uh, Deshaun Jackson. They got Jalen Rager, who they just drafted. I just I just don't see I don't see a a path to victory. Um, Alshon Jeffrey is out again. Alshon Jeffrey, I think, is their number three wide receiver on the team. Rager did have an injury, but it looks like he's a full go. Uh, Miles Sanders, it says questionable, but I saw yesterday that he didn't travel with the team. Of course, in two of my leagues, I bought into the Miles Sanders hype, so uh, he's getting benched, so that's a nightmare. Otherwise, Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle, is out. I think that's fine. Washington, likewise, has some people that are somewhat injured. I don't know that anything is really all that impactful. Again, it doesn't matter. They're going to lose anyways. My number 15 game could just as easily be my number 16 game, the Pittsburgh Steelers over the New York Giants. Very similar situation. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are in Super Bowl contention. I think they have one of the best defenses in all of football. Ben Roethlisberger coming back with this offense means they're going to be a much better offense, and the Giants have nothing redeemable whatsoever. They have a bad quarterback. They don't have any real good weapon. Um, And then the biggest thing, even if their offense takes a step, their defense is useless completely and totally useless they don't have any pass rushers they don't have good linebackers they don't have safeties they don't have corners they have nothing um david DeCastro is out for the pittsburgh steelers i'm not worried about it they're going to be able to run the ball well they're going to be able to throw the ball they're going to be able to block it's pretty straightforward i mean uh, outside of any given sunday type stuff and even that i just i just i don't know what the the giants are going to do aside from the steelers offense just being completely useless and Saquon Barkley rushing for two touchdowns like carrying the offense down the field twice I don't see any path to victory for the Giants by number 14 I've got the Indianapolis Colts over the Jacksonville Jaguars similar situation I really like the Colts a lot I don't believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars at all I like Minshew but uh he's I mean he again he doesn't have an offensive line he doesn't have any wide receivers he doesn't have a tight end I mean, there is DJ Chark, and if you believe in, in Tyler Eifert at this point in his career, there's maybe that, but it's it's not great. And the Colts have solid enough corners. I think they have the best linebacking group in football. They added DeForest Buckner. They've got Justin Houston, who's still playing at a really high level. They've got some great safeties. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be able to do Jack squat. And on the flip side, you're looking at possibly the best offensive line in football with Mack, who's already a good running back, but they added Jonathan Taylor, which if they get him going behind this offensive line, that's going to be just ridiculous. This might be the best rushing attack in all of football. On top of T.Y. Hilton coming back and adding Phillip Rivers, who's a much better quarterback, they drafted Michael Pittman. They've still got um, Paris Campbell in the slot. Uh, You know, Again, it's possible Rivers is just garbage and T.Y. can't do anything and Doyle's not a good tight end and and somehow they can't run the ball against Smoot and Taven Bryan and a terrible linebacking group. I mean, even their past, and this is a 4-3 team that went out and got two 3-4 three, linebackers, three-four outside linebackers to play defensive end. They got Chase on and, and Allen the last two years. I'm not saying they can't play defensive end. I know they did it in college, but these are smaller guys. Taven Bryan is a smaller pass rushing interior defensive lineman and their linebackers are terrible. This team is going to have no ability to stop the run up against, again, this road grading offensive line, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. If they don't run for 200 yards in this game, I will be a little bit surprised. Next up, I have the Baltimore Ravens beating the Cleveland Browns. Um, the, The reason that they're a little bit lower despite the fact that you've got Cleveland that was pretty terrible last year and Baltimore that is basically a Super Bowl-caliber team, is the fear that Baltimore may regress, specifically Lamar, and also really liking the Cleveland Browns roster. I think the thing that makes me the most nervous um, is that despite the fact that Garrett and Vernon, the pass rushers for Cleveland, are pretty good pass rushers, they're both really not very good against the run, and this is a run-first team. I mean, their quarterback is probably the best runner in football period ingram is a good running back this offensive line is very good at run blocking they don't have a good run they don't have very much run defense anywhere on this defense outside of possibly sheldon richardson um who is their defensive tackle marlon Mack or not marlon Mack. mac wilson the linebacker that they drafted um a couple years ago he's he's out as well as greedy williams who was not all that good but still a cornerback is out Tackle Chris Hubbard and Kevin Johnson, cornerback, also out. I just think Lamar is going to run all over this team, as is Ingram or any other running back that comes in here. I don't think they have much of a chance. I mean, even the safeties are not all that good. They brought in Sendejo, who's just kind of, I mean, he's been kind of a backup all over the place. Carl Joseph, um, not terrible, but not a super great safety. There's just not much on this defense. Outside of, again, two really good pass rushers, but this is not a good time to be like trying to get into the backfield and and get to the quarterback because he's just going to make you suffer for that. So as much as I might believe in the Browns in a different matchup, this one isn't great, right? Um, I think Baker might be under some distress. They added Patrick Queen. We'll see what he can do. You got Marcus Peters, who was graded as the third-best corner last year. I can see that. Uh, Calais Campbell, who was the third-best interior defensive lineman. Those are the two grades they let me see just because, you know... Apparently, I don't have an account that works. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's in Baltimore's favor quite a bit. But Cleveland has some ability. It's just not a great matchup for them. My number 12 pick in the CBS pool is the San Francisco 49ers over the Arizona Cardinals. Bottom line, I'm just not buying the Arizona hype. Um, I, I think I've kind of figured out where, as I've said, there, there's a difference between the media narrative about Kyler Murray and, for example, the PFF grade about Kyler Murray that I was confused about until it dawned on me, fantasy football is a major factor in what people think. Kyler Murray is a very good fantasy football quarterback that doesn't make him a good quarterback. And I think some people possibly get that confused. Right? This is an offense that throws like 90% of the time. That's an exaggeration, but when you throw as much as the Arizona Cardinals do, you're going to get more completions and more yards and more throwing touchdowns as opposed to rushing touchdowns so you're going to be a productive fantasy football quarterback as much as i was out on him i actually ended up drafting him in one of my leagues because i'm actually i'm I'm pretty excited about him as a fantasy football quarterback but um i just i just don't buy it and i don't really understand what the hype is about not that they can't win but i largely see them as the same team they were last year which you know didn't make the playoffs also the fact that arizona cardinals fans the first thing they say when you talk about their chances against the 49ers and how they might win is the fact that they drafted simmons automatically i'm out right if the first thing you're saying is we got this freakish linebacker early you know like roquan smith and all these other guys that went real early that have not been productive uh we got simmons and that's going to change everything i'm out immediately I, i want no part of a of a fan base That is putting all their hopes in going from sucking to being awesome because we drafted a linebacker. I'm just, I'm all the way out on it. The fact that Simmons is going to somehow shut down Kittle. I just, I just, I don't care. I don't, I'm not impressed with the defense. There may be some regression from the 49ers. I hope there is. But I still think the 49ers offense is a mismatch against the Arizona Cardinals defense. I really don't like the... Arizona Cardinals offensive line going up against Bosa and Ford and Thomas. I think Richard Sherman, I mean, he was graded as the number one cornerback last year, so clearly he's still got a little bit of something left in the tank. Him going up against Hopkins, again, I expect big things from Hopkins, possibly, although Murray isn't nearly as good of a quarterback, and they're going to be spreading the ball around a lot more. But this isn't the greatest matchup. So there's some, I mean, obviously I I have them lower. I didn't put them 16 or 15 or whatever. There's some trepidation, but... I'm relatively confident that the 49ers are the better team here. As far as injury news, Debo Samuel is out. That's relatively kind of a big deal. Cornerback Jason Verrett is also out. Arizona Cardinals are losing offensive lineman Josh Jones. Otherwise, everybody's a full go. Nothing there changes my opinion on this game, even a little bit. And then the final game before we take a break... um, Seattle against Arizona I have 11 points on Seattle beating Atlanta. I, I might even want to bump this one up. A lot of people are talking about Seattle or Atlanta having a having a chance of winning this game and I think it's it's on paper the Atlanta Falcons are not that bad of a team, but I just I see the Packers or the Atlanta Falcons as very similar to the Packers. in 2018, both the Falcons and the Packers kind of just inexplicably, were bad and you look at the rosters and say they shouldn't be that bad i mean there's clearly holes but i mean this it's it's largely the same team that they were in 2017 when they were really good so why are they really bad well the packers decided that they weren't going to mess around they fired everybody hired a bunch of new people went out in free agency rebuilt the roster and they went 13 and 3 the falcons didn't do any of that decided we're going to forge ahead we'll figure this out we'll tweak a couple things and they were garbage again you know, they continue to forge ahead, and I just expect them to continue to be garbage. I think there's some fundamental issues they need to tear down and rebuild. And until they do that, I just don't believe in it. Um, and as far as Seattle, as much as I continue to talk about continued regression, the fact of the matter is, I think they did get better. I think long-term, I see this team continuing to fall off because I don't believe in their GM. But I think DK Metcalf can continue to take a step. I think he may be the number one wide receiver this year over Tyler Lockett. We'll see. He ended the year really strong last year, making, giving the impression that he would be that guy, which gives them a very formidable wide receiver duo. I mean, either way, it's a pretty solid duo, which maybe doesn't sound like much because, yeah, they've got a bad offensive line, but they've he's had a bad offensive line basically his entire career. It doesn't matter. They still are able to run the ball, and against the Atlanta Falcons' defensive line, I just don't see why that would be a problem. They have no pass rush, they have no safeties, they have no, they, they've got a really good coverage linebacker. That's about all they've got, which doesn't matter because Seattle doesn't have any good tight ends anyways. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball, and they went out and got a really solid cornerback and a really solid safety. Now that's not a good long-term strategy. When you get to the point of, hey, I suck at drafting, we better start going out in free agency and spending a bunch of money, that's sort of the death rattle of your team. That's when you know it's about to end. But in the short term, it's going to help you a lot. And so you've got uh, Quinton Dunbar, who was actually graded as the second-best corner. Now, th- this is it was a one-year deal where he all of a sudden became a really good corner. thats He's a prime regression candidate. He could absolutely be one of those guys similar to uh, Josh Norman, who has one really good year, gets paid a bunch of money, and then regresses. If you look at and again, his grades are working. If you look at uh, what he's done over his career, his grades were 63, 61, 74, 66, 87.6, second best corner in football, and then he gets a big contract. I I tend to think he's going to fall off. Now, going to Seattle, they've obviously had some success there. Maybe he is able to continue that a little bit, but I think he's going to fall off a little bit. Either way, they've got Griffin on the other side. It's not a good matchup against Julio Jones ever, but if anybody's going to slow down Julio and Ridley, it's going to be Dunbar and Griffin. Slight exaggeration, but... They should be able to handle it to some degree. Again, Matt Ryan has had these guys for a very long time, and they can't find any success. They did go out and get Gurley, but I'm not going to put too much stock in that. They've had good running backs in the past. They got rid of those good running backs. They went out and paid for another good running back, and it's one that got kicked off another team because it's kind of unnecessary to have Gurley. Now, I do think that that's a pretty good area to start, um, especially adding um, Hayden Hurst at tight end. And uh, Luke Stocker, very good run blocker. So if you can get Gurley running against what I think is a pretty bad defensive front, Irvin Reed, Mayoa, and and LJ Collier, the guy that they drafted in the first round that is just ridiculously not good. And yeah, I I said Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin is no good anymore. The only real guy you got to worry about is Wagner at, at linebacker because KJ Wright also is not very good anymore. But again, when you got Julio Jones, I mean, again, there's no reason for the Falcons to be bad. I mean, defensively there might be, but offensively, you should be able to run the ball. You've got a good receiving tight end now in Hurst. You've got Julio Jones and Ridley to where if they decide to bring extra help like Jamal Adams down into the box to stop the run, that's really going to be hard for them to stop Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. But again, I do think the Seattle defense is going to have some success, and the real problem is going to come in when you say, how in the world is this Falcons defense going to be able to stop the Seattle Seahawks? which overall is not actually that impressive i mean you've got russell wilson who's graded out as the number one quarterback in football last year you've got dk metcalf and lockett who are a good duo but not even as good as the falcons duo but again they continue to find success either way terrible offensive line no tight ends but this offense finds success and a lot of it has to do with russell wilson just being a freak and um if they're going to win several games this year i can't imagine saying yeah but not against the falcons why Again, terrible corners. They did go out and get uh, A.J. Terrell uh, in the draft in the first round. But again, I'm not putting a lot of stock in in rookies week one. They got Fowler and McKinley at defensive end, which is just a joke. Neal and Kazee at safety are no good. I don't know. I I just think, again, there's enough talent for the Falcon to pull off a stunner, but I just think Seattle wins this one, and I don't necessarily think it's all that difficult for them to do so. But anyways, why don't we take a quick break? We'll go through the rest of these games and then uh, possibly on the other side of it, look at some uh, implications for the Packers and rooting interests and whatnot. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, next up, I am just, I'm kind of going out on a limb here. And This is where people are going to get mad that I don't have the Packers yet. But again, I'm just, I'm, I'm being a coward about it. I am picking the Packers, but just relax. I'm taking New Orleans over Tampa. Largely in protest to the idea that Tampa Bay is this top tier, you know, super great team because Tom Brady got plopped in the middle of it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were 7-9 and nine last year. Suddenly, we're, we're talking about the, the, the Saints maybe not having a chance against Tampa. The Saints dominated the division. What did they win, 13, 14 games last year? And they're going to they're gonna have a tough go against a 7-9 team because Tom Brady got plopped in the middle of it? And Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans are like, dude, we had the number one offense last year, which isn't true, and we're only going to get better. First of all, you were number three in points and number three in, lar- in yards, largely because you had a quarterback that just was like, Brett Favre-esque, you know, just worse. He threw a billion yards, and now he's gone. So the fact that we're just saying, well, it's going to be the exact same thing minus all the interceptions, no, it's not. Tom Brady is not going to take nearly as many shots down the field. You think you're going to be number one in yards again? Number four in passing attempts, number one in yards, number three in passing touchdowns? You're you're probably going to be much less than number 32 in interceptions, I'll give you that. But all that stuff goes down. But here's the other thing. Everybody (laughs) I just, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Other people are also saying this is this is one of the best rosters in all of football. What in the world are you talking about? The offensive line is not good. There's a giant question mark at running back. Great wide receiver duo. Tom Brady clearly had a massive regression last year with the, the Patriots. He got dragged by his number one overall defense. He had a his first big down year, and now he's leaving the system that he understands. He's leaving that and going somewhere else. Just because he has better wide receivers, he's going to have his best year ever or what? Beyond that, the problem isn't the offense. You're right. You were number three on offense. Number 29 in points on defense. Best roster, my ear hole. Last year, the Saints put up 31 points and 34 points against Tampa. What changed to make that different? Why aren't the Saints going to put up 30 plus points on Tampa this year? Again, it could happen. I don't know. Anything could happen. But just logically, what what is so different about this? And Dominican Sue in his 500th year is going to just rip things apart. Shaquille Barrett is going to get his 500 sacks again. Devin White, you know, one of those elite early picks, just greatest thing ever. The best thing you could do to help your team is, is draft a, a linebacker in the top 10. They took him number five overall. He was graded 68th out of 90. He was terrible last year, Isaiah Simmons. You do have Levante David, which is nice. You don't have good safeties. You don't have a good corner. You've got one decent linebacker, one decent pass rusher. Defensive line is mediocre. Your other pass rusher is Jason Pierre-Paul. My He's almost 32 years old. Do you know how good this offensive line is? Do you know how good Alvin Kamara is? Do you know how good their wide receivers are? And they added Emmanuel Sanders to this group. Emmanuel Sanders. It used to be just, just Thomas, which again... I don't know why nobody's complaining they only had one good wide receiver, but now they have two. Emmanuel Sanders is good enough to be a number one. Not a top-end number one, but he's good enough. He's a top-tier number two wide receiver. If it wasn't for Tampa, this would be the best number two in the league. So the Saints have two really good wide receivers, just like Tampa has two really good wide receivers. The difference is Drew Brees is better than Tom Brady. Alvin Kamara is better than anybody that Tom Brady has in his backfield. The offensive line is better. I think the tight ends are probably going to be better. Again, oh, Gronk is coming back. Right. Have you seen Gronk? He, he, his body was so jacked up from football, he went and took some time off. Took some time off to not be a football player anymore. He's coming back to be in Tampa Bay, which is, again, if I were a football player, especially if I was Gronk, where I just wanted to have a good old time and be on the beach, Tampa's the place to be. And Tom, your buddy's there. Like, you and your boy just hang out on the beach. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have some chemistry, but it, it like this is going to be 2015 Brady and Gronk all over again. Gronk had started his gl- decline a while ago. Not to mention, the Saints have a much better defense than Tampa does. Demario Davis, their linebacker, was graded number one overall last year. Now, is he a prime regression candidate? Yeah. Still had a great year, and it's three years in a row that he's had a good year, so I don't really see that completely falling off. You got Cam Jordan, who's a great pass rusher. They've got better corners than uh, Tampa does think they've got better safeties i mean just you want to talk about one of the best rosters in football it's the saints the saints have one of the best rosters in football and everyone's saying tampa does why what are you even talking about well the only reason their defense is so bad is all the picks okay so their defense was elite if it just wasn't for all those picks okay well we'll see how it goes i'm picking the saints best of luck to you uh somewhat impactful you've got uh, cesar ruiz the uh rookie that was going to come in and probably be pretty impactful right away because they have one really bad offensive lineman the rest is great he is out. Also, another pretty impactful guy, Marcus Davenport, who uh, really took a big step last year as a big part of their defense, is also out. Again, they're going to be fine without him. Um, however, on Tampa Bay side, Mike Evans is doubtful to play. That is massive. Uh, and Dominican Sue is not on this list, but he also didn't practice on Friday. Why veteran rest? Why? Because he's 500,000 years old. Same with Jason Pierre-Paul. He's also on veteran rest. Playing, but, you know, old. So, Tom Brady's going. To, I think Mike Evans is the best chance of having a really good rapport. But, again, Tampa had three really good receivers last year. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Brashad Perriman. All three were very, very good last year. Brashad Perriman is now with the Jets. Mike Evans is injured this, this uh, today, this week. So, it's Tom Brady, his uh, bad offensive line, his old broke-down tight end. Really good Chris Godwin by himself. And... Uh, Ronald Jones, who we keep hearing is going to be really, really good all of a sudden, but never seems to be really good at stuff. So best of luck to him. Next up, I have at number eight overall, the Tennessee Titans over the Denver Broncos. I actually really liked the Denver Broncos going into the season. I like what Vic Fangio has already done to the defense. I think he's turned it into one of the better defenses in football. Got a couple key pieces that he needed uh, to add. And probably refine a little bit, but there's no doubt in my mind he was going to get this thing clicking. The additions at wide receiver, obviously they already had one good wide receiver. Then they add Jerry Judy. Then they add my guy KJ Hamler. They've got a good running back. They've done a lot to improve the offensive line. It's already looking like one of the better rosters in all of football. And um, I really thought, I mean, I'm I'm still very excited to watch this game. Fortunately, it's on Monday. It's Monday night. I'm thinking I might do uh, a podcast at night on that day if I can. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's really not any reason to be talking out loud about that. Um, the prob- the biggest issue, though, is Von Miller went down. And the more I look at it, I don't believe in the quarterback, Drew Lott. I know Denver Broncos fans are 100% in. I think he was like 4-1 and one in five games. I'm not going to lie, I'm I'm kind of rooting for Denver. I like what they've done. I'm a big fan of Vic Fangio and what he was able to do in Chicago and if he can go over to Denver and just snap his fingers and do it over there, he is in my mind the best defensive mind in football outside of maybe Bill Belichick. But his ability to improve talent is surpasses Bill Belichick in my opinion. Bill Belichick is a mastermind in terms of game planning and all that stuff, in-game adjustments, but to be able to just show up and, and coach guys into becoming elite prospects as or players is just incredible. Um, but again, you, you look at Tennessee, I don't see a real strong ability at this point for them to stop the run in Tennessee. Uh, I think Tannehill's ability to distribute the ball to his weapons, and I actually think he's got three decent wide receivers. The fact that their number one bust is actually like their number three right now, I think he's a pretty capable wide receiver as a number three, talking about Corey Davis. Because they've got A.J. Brown, who's a really good wide receiver. They got Humphreys in the slot, who's a, a solid enough slot receiver. Um, again, another team in contention for best offensive line in football. Jonu Smith is their tight end. I think he's going to be able to take a step. And so, uh, yeah, I, I just I believe in the Denver Broncos down the line. Um, but I, I don't. It, a lot of that comes down to whether or not Drew Lock can hang. We'll have to see. And I'd love to go back and look at what Drew Lock did sort of down the stretch. But again, I can't. Um, the, also, the addition to, of Jadavian Clowney to Tennessee really puts a exclamation point on this thing. Um, I like the Tennessee Titans defense. It's not perfect, but but Isaiah Simmons, I'm a big fan of on the inside. Jadavian Clowney is going to be a big help. I don't know. I, m- I might bring this one down a bit. If Drew Locke goes off, they could win this game. I might I might have to change that. Maybe I'll bring the Packers up to this spot, and I'll swap them with the Packers, because I, I I am starting to feel ashamed at this point that I don't have the Packers higher. I was definitely a very big coward when I made my picks, because even now, I'm like, dude, the Packers have got better odds than this. All right, that's what I'm doing. I'm swapping the Packers. I have eight. Um, at seven, So I am still picking Tennessee. I'm going to put Tennessee at, at five for now. I might even drop them even more. We'll see. But at seven, I have the Chargers beating the Cincinnati Bengals. I was actually very back and forth on this, because they're really similar type teams Both, I think these are the two worst offensive lines in football and both of them have capable pass rush. Um, you've got the young gun quarterback in Cincinnati against kind of the uh, not super talented, but veteran Tyrod Taylor for the charger. I think Tyrod's got some weapons, obviously. Um, obviously Joe Burrow does with Boyd and and A.J. Green. But at the end of the day, when I look at Cincinnati, we're looking at a rookie quarterback. A.J. Green's coming back from injury. Um, Williams, I think, is playing like his first full year, their left tackle. So we're looking at a lot of inexperience. And then the experience is coming from A.J. Green, who's, what is he now? He is uh, 32 years old, coming off a season-ending end- injury. Um, and then you've got Joey Bosa, and you got Ingram. And uh, you know they added Linval Joseph from the Minnesota Vikings, who is a good defensive lineman uh mixon is a talented guy but i he hasn't been able to do quite as much because of the offensive line issues and just being kind of the only real i don't want to say the only real talented guy but with with no quarterback to distribute there's a lot put on his shoulder um on top of that the chargers have very very good corners it you know in contention for the best cornerback group in football i would i would go so far as to say that they are the best cornerback group in football they have nasir adderley who i was a big fan of terrible first year but possibly a bounce back candidate also i don't think he played the whole year i can't see but i'm i don't i feel like he did so the the, the chargers have a lot of issues and I, i'm worried about the uh offensive line holding up against the bengals defense but ultimately that's the same thing but on steroids on the other side and um when you look at the chargers on offense again you've got a veteran quarterback with uh Allen at wide receiver who's extremely talented you got Henry at tight end you got Eckler at running back so at every level you've got something they also did add Brian Balaga at right tackle so at least they have that working in their favor so I I think the Chargers are although they're in serious trouble down the line I think they should be able to beat the Bengals keep forgetting to to give you injury updates Um, for the Chargers Mike Pouncey is out obviously why would they need more offensive linemen otherwise there's some questionable stuff but everybody should be playing uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, Geno Atkins is out, which just adds to, I mean, that's their one real big advantage, is the defensive lineup against this terrible offensive line. Losing Geno Atkins is not going to help. Um, some other injuries, but nothing that I can see that's super impactful. LaShawn Sims is doubtful. I don't think he's a starting corner. Sean Williams' is safety is out. I don't think he's a starting safety. Some other bangs and bruises, but it looks like everybody is going to be playing, so... Uh, mike daniels also is on this team he actually will probably be playing with geno atkins out so that'll be interesting to watch i'll be completely honest i didn't know he found a team yet but anyways yeah i'm taking the the chargers and i'm feeling fairly confident about that at my number six spot i have the las vegas raiders over the carolina panthers um the way that i phrase this in my youtube video and i did do a youtube video with all these these things and i think i had pff when i did my video so there probably be some better information (laughs) in my youtube video uh pack daddy nfl is my youtube channel um but the way i see it i think the carolina panthers are similar to the las vegas raiders but the raiders are just ahead of them the carolina panthers are in tear down and rebuild mode they've got a new coach but it's kind of one of those things where you get the coach and you get get everybody kind of in place they do what they can that first year kind of do their assessments and then you kind of go in and, and rebuild Right, I mean, we saw that with Mike Pettin. He went in and, and did his first year with what he had. That next year, they went out and drafted a bunch of players and went into free agency and got a bunch of guys. Matt Lafleur had a year with with the Mike McCarthy guys. The next year, although the draft wasn't, I guess it was. He got his quarterback. He got his running back. He got his tight end. Right, they went out and, into the draft and got his guys and and Funchess. There's there's always that. Right, so I, I feel like Carolina is on that track. But it's a new system, a new coach, with kind of the same old guys. And um, although I'm not a big believer in the Las Vegas Raiders, I do think Rudin is actually doing a really good job coaching this team. I think he had bare bones and was able to win way more games than they should have. Obviously, that completely fell apart prior to midseason. But I am actually intrigued by this team now. I think Carr is a good enough uh, quarterback. I know he gets a lot of flack, and I don't know if he's the guy that's going to get him over the hump, but I think he's a, a talented enough guy. You look at Josh Jacobs, who is arguably the best running back in football. You look at Waller, who's who's a really, really talented tight end. They added Henry Ruggs, the speedster out of Alabama. They also drafted Brian Edwards, the uh, another wide receiver. They've done a ton to upgrade this offensive line. I think this offense has, has the ability to be an extremely potent thing. And if Henry Ruggs can come in and be sort of that Tyreek Hill kind of guy who is that threat to just destroy, you know, pull away safeties and all this kind of stuff, while Edwards and Hunter Renfro in the slot, kind of tear up the middle of the field, Waller. I mean, that, that that's the thing. Last year, they just had a running back, and they had Waller. That's basically all they had. Hunter Renfro is our only decent wide receiver, and he's not all that great. So when you have a tight end and a running back, it's a little bit easier for teams to kind of key in on that. We're just going to stack the box, and we're going to try to take away your tight end. Now you can't do that. How are you going to do that when you got Henry Ruggs running like a 4-3-2? You have to have safety help over to that side. So good luck stacking the box. Especially if you gotta account for Waller and you gotta account for the running back. I mean it's just there's a lot of potential here for this offense. The defense I don't like, but compared to the Carolina Panthers that are just bare bones and, and not good at all. I mean Brian Burns, maybe he takes a step. Gross Matos is a rookie, I don't expect a ton. Derek Brown um, probably will be a big impact, but maybe not right out of the gate. And again, this is a pretty solid offensive line. Um, again I, I don't want to put a lot into the Raiders because I don't really believe in them but I believe in the Carolina Panthers even less the obviously the the wild card here is Christian McCaffrey if the Raiders offense doesn't get going Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey could possibly uh, do enough to get him over the hump against the Raiders but I do also feel relatively comfortable about the Raiders winning the game uh, after that I currently have Tennessee over Denver I already talked about that at number four, and I should put it up a little bit higher, I just don't believe in them. Uh, I have the New England Patriots over the Miami Dolphins. Miami now just has sort of a history of, of beating New England. In fact, it seems like the teams that were able to beat New England are teams that have former coaches, right? Detroit beat almost nobody, but they did beat New England that one time. You know, Miami can't beat anybody, but they did beat New England that one time, right? It's, it's just one of those weird things. It was Vrabel in Tennessee had that upset over New England. Former player. for It's, it's like if you have some insights into how uh, Bill Belichick thinks, you get a little bit of an upper hand against them. And now you've got Miami, where you have a former coach, and they lose Tom Brady, and they lose Gronk, and they lose a ton of defensive pieces. I, I, I'm not a believer in Miami at all. I know it sounds like I'm making the case Miami wins. I'm not. I think New England wins. But this is why I'm just not super confident in it. But at the end of the day, Cam Newton is a talented quarterback. I think he's somewhat overrated, again, because of fantasy football. He's one of the better-scoring fantasy football guys. But um, what he does with his legs alone is terrifying. I I was always terrified of him as a runner. As a thrower, he's got a lot of arm, but obviously not the most accurate guy. Uh, They have a decent enough running back. Offensive line is iffy. They don't have any tight ends. They do have Edelman and and Nikhil Harry, but again, remember, this is this is a very scheme-heavy type of offense, and I don't know if you can just drop Cam Newton and expect him to pick it up like Tom Brady did. Now, maybe, I mean, if they're scheming guys just wide open and all he has to do is dump it off, I guess he could he can really handle that, maybe he can take it to the next level with his rushing ability. I don't know. Um, the good news is, I don't really like Miami's defense. I know everyone's, oh, they brought in a bunch of really talented guys. Did they? Kyle Van Noy they brought in, cool. They have terrible linebackers. I tell you why Miami might win. It's because they got Raquan Davis, my man. I love me some Raquan. I'm gonna go back and watch this game just so I can see Raquan Davis. What time is this game? Yeah, it's a noon game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and watch Raquan. But they got Raquan Davis. They got Ma- uh, Christian Wilkins, not Manny Wilkins. That's a different guy. I, I feel like there's a lot of names here that people are going to get excited about, right? I think Xavier uh, Howard is somebody that people seem to like, although he's not that good. Byron Jones is is another guy that had a real breakout year that got picked up. That Everyone's like, oh, he was one of the top corners last year, and we paid for him, and he's going to be great. He wasn't one of the top corners. He was fine. He was 14th overall. Um, but I also, I don't know that he's going to continue that, especially in Miami. When you get a free agent that was really good, that goes to a really garbage team, you talk about prime regression, so... I don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like, but I feel like they should be able to do enough to work against this defense that I just don't respect a lot at all. And then on the flip side, offensive line is kind of terrible. They do have some rookies, but again, I'm not buying into rookies very much. I don't like their wide receivers. I don't like their tight end. I don't really care for their running back. You got Fitzmagic, but as much as, as the Patriots lost some players, they still have some pretty solid guys. Gilmore and McCordy are just freaks. Gilmore is a corner. McCourty is a safety. Uh, They've got some other good corners. Chase Winovich had a pretty solid season. You got Uche, who they brought in. You got Dietrich Wise. Again, not super confident in it. That's why it's down as low as it is. Could definitely see Miami winning this game. I hope they do win this game. I would love to see uh, not only New England not win the division, but for them to be uh, not even second in the division would make me extremely happy. But um, I'm going to give it to New England, and we'll just see what happens. I, i Nothing would make me happier than if Raekwon goes in and just wrecks this game, and and Miami wins. Maybe not a direct correlation between the two things, but if Miami wins and Raekwon is a big factor in that, I'm gonna be—I I will make a video just about that because I've literally made about five videos about Raekwon Davis. It was—it was devastating to me that we didn't draft Raekwon. It was—it was up there with KJ Hamler. And the difference between KJ Hamler and Raekwon is I kind of fell off on Raquan a little bit because he went back to school and then didn't perform quite as well. But I was big on Raquan for two years, and then stupid Miami drafted him. You know how badly I want Raquan right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm am I'm, I'm real excited about AJ Dillon, and hopefully our quarterback can do something one of these millennia. But uh, really want Raquan. I mean, <laughs> the the Pack Daddy draft would have been KJ Hamler, and then Raquan. That would have been that. I just oh my God. Oh, give me chills just thinking about that non-reality. But again. Super excited about A.J. Dillon. I don't I don't know, actually, if he's going to get a ton of carries in this game. Um, obviously, he's not going to get, I mean, I know he's not going to get a ton. But part of me just wonders if the whole, he's not even number two, he's just kind of down there, he's still working on it, is is a little, just a hair of deception. Not that he's not the number three. I mean, just out of respect, they're going to call him the number three. But does that mean he's not going to play? Or is he going to kind of come in and get like 10, 11, 12 carries? Maybe they give him a, a series early on just to see how it goes and, and run with the hot hand. Or maybe possibly it's one of those things where if we're winning by a lot in the fourth quarter or by a couple, then, then he comes in and they just kind of use him as a, as a guy to grind down the defense at the end of the game. I don't know. I just want to see him, and I hope he has some kind of an impact. And if we don't see him, that's, it. wouldn't really surprise me. But I just want to see that, that big, freakish human being rumbling down the field at some point today. Not next week, not the week after that today. He doesn't have to have 20 carries today. Just just like, just just a couple. Please. Moving on. Uh, after that, I have Detroit over Chicago at number three. Definitely not feeling good about either of these things. Um, again, I mentioned that uh, Okuda is out. That doesn't help at all. Man, I don't know if it's bad for you, but a lot of times, especially when I get up early, if I oversleep or if I'm overtired, which... It's almost impossible that one of those two things isn't the case. I have headaches in the morning. And apparently it's a thing where you can take ibuprofen and Tylenol. That is like a magic thing. I'm sure it's not good for you, but I don't know how many times I've taken pain medicine and it does nothing and I have to like baby this headache for hours. I've, I've just started mixing the two things together and it's like I'm in a euphoric state. I feel so good. It's like the headache is gone within 30 seconds. I probably shouldn't be telling you that because it's poisonous and somebody's going to die because they're listening to my advice. But I'm pretty sure you're allowed to do that. Granted, I'm I'm not I haven't been paying attention to what the dosage is, but I feel like I'm safe. I'm not positive. But it's working and that's all that matters. What's a little liver damage if it means no more headaches? Am I right? Moving on. Alright, we got a couple really big lists here. Um Hunter Bryant is out for the Detroit Lions. I'll be honest, I didn't know they even drafted him. That's interesting, doesn't matter. TJ Hawkinson is our guy. CJ Moore is a backup safety. Oh, another really big thing, Halapalavati Vaitai just freaking nailed that I love saying his name when you can say it fast and say it right mm, not doing it again I'm gonna mess it up but Vitai is out Kenny Galladay is doubtful um Jeff Okuda they said is out he was listed as questionable so that's not a good sign because they got a bunch of other questionable guys like Danny Amendola, Deshaun Hand, Julian O'Quara, Daryl Roberts, DeAndre Swift actually Swift is fine that's a lot of guys man I mean I'm 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 all aboard the Detroit Lions hype train. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll with it. But that's brutal. Um, on the other side Robert Quinn is out. That is actually quite impactful. Again, not biased about this stuff. I'm just I'm be I mean, I'm biased that I'm a Packers fan, but I will call a spade a spade. I think Robert Quinn is underrated. If you look at his pass rush production, it's actually pretty solid. He is an older guy. He's not perfect, but in terms of getting to the quarterback, he's a talented guy. That's going to hurt them quite a bit because I think that's a great addition for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Khalil Mack is questionable, but he's fine. A lot of questionables, but everybody has been full participation basically at least since Thursday. Uh, David Montgomery is uh, all go. Cordero Patterson is a go. Jason Spriggs. <laughs> Jason Spriggs might even start one of these days if the defend- if that offensive line keeps declining like it is. Javon Wims, Jermaine Fetti Buster Screen. They're all playing. So I, I should revisit this. Let's do this live because I may be switching this. Maybe this is one of those where maybe Detroit wins next time, but not this time. First of all, where is this being played? That's going to come into play here. It's in Detroit. All right. So we've got a Detroit Lions offensive line that's good, not great, that just lost their right tackle, who's going to have to deal with Khalil Mack, who looks like primarily, and I can't look up the snap counts, is lined up against Decker, at least as far as where they have him lined up. But I know for a fact he plays a lot off of the right tackle, and they may just put Mack off that right tackle the whole game to really just key in on him. And PFF doesn't even have Galladay here. I should just look at see if Galladay is out officially. Everything just says doubtful. Yeah, I think I'm switching this man. I don't want to, but you're taking Stafford and you're taking away his number one wide receiver. Now he's just got Marvin Jones and Amendola. And as much trash talk as I've said about Kyle Fuller, I, he should be able to handle Marvin Jones. They drafted Jalen Johnson. I don't expect much out of that, but he's going up against their number three wide receiver. Uh, Danny Amendola should be able to handle Buster Screen, but that's their only guy. And again, you got Khalil Mack going up against a backup right tackle. You got Roquan. Who is you know probably going to be able to take somewhat of a step taking out T.J. Hawkins, uh, DeAndre Swift is a rook, a rookie. I just I don't think they're going to be able to do much against the Bears defense, man. I think they're going to shut this down. I mean, if you told me that their right tackle was still there and and uh, Galladay was still there, I think they would have a good chance against these corners. But the defensive front, the linebackers, the safety again been talking trash, but he's still a talented safety. It's just it's too much. Um, the pr- the problem is the other side of it, however. There's enough talent here to make it work. Um, And with Okuda out, Trufant is the number one guy going up against Allen Robinson. That's a big mismatch. You got Miller in the slot, who's overrated by Bears fans, but is still talented. And, and, you know, Coleman didn't have that good of a year. Their slot corner for Detroit last year... Um, the Bears running back is 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 a go and, and very likely will take at least a little bit of a step, and I don't really like the Lions' ability to stop the run. I do like Flowers, but it's not like he's going to be able to block for the entire defensive line, and their linebackers are no good. I see it as a low-scoring game. I don't know that either of these guys are able to get a lot going. Of course, that could obviously change because it's week one. Who knows what's going to happen, but I am going to officially switch this to the Bears. I'm going to keep it. Um, really low because I'm not big on it, but I am going to switch that to Chicago. These injuries I think are just going to push me over the edge because those are those are real big. I mean, Kenny Galladay is that's a massive loss. Your right tackle is a massive loss. Um, your early number one pick, Jeff Okuda, being out is a massive loss. So going Chicago for three points. I'm switching. Which is actually a good thing because, again, if we assume Detroit is the better team and Detroit actually has a possibility, there's a slight chance, that could be wrong. Maybe Chicago is going to be dominant and this is going to bite us in the butt. But if D- Detroit really has a legitimate chance of, of being... Whatever, and this is kind of what I was talking about, about who are we rooting for. I don't know who to root for in this game, because I don't know who's going to be better between these two teams, and if I'm right, Detroit is a better team, good. They, I hope they get their, their one loss early. That's going to hurt them down the road when they start trying to take the, the throne away from us. By the way, I'm very proud of that video I made. Do you have any idea how long that took me to make? It's such a tedious process to get all those stupid logos to follow everybody around. It was fun, though. It was fun making it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, you know, go look on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I thought it was funny. Um, number two now, Dallas Cowboys over the L.A. Rams. This should be a lot more obvious, right? Everybody's real big on the Dallas hype train. The bottom line for me is I don't really know that I buy it yet. They uh, Similar to Atlanta, they should be good. And if we simply buy the hype that Dallas is going to be good now and the Rams are going to continue to be garbage, which doesn't make any sense because both teams are talented and both teams had really bad years last year. It's just a question of who's going to be good and who's not. Are they both going to be bad, both going to be good, or one or the other? everybody's assuming Dallas is going to be great. Nobody's giving the Rams any credit. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Also, Packer fans saying Dallas is going to be good is really ironic considering Mike McCarthy is, you know, granted he took a year off and, you know, apparently everything changed. Going to be different and better this year which is funny because how many times have we heard Mike McCarthy say that? The year that he got fired, what did he say? They completely tore down the the playbook. They ripped it to shreds. They rebuilt it from the ground up. What happened that year? He trotted out the exact same offense we've been seeing for 15 years. And then they were garbage, and then they got wrecked. So, you know, if this is, and and granted, maybe a Mike McCarthy offense works better with this sort of dallas cowboys team where you've got a good quarterback you've got a good running back offensive line but you also have three talented wide receivers so you can spread it out and you you can kind of run that sort of an offense maybe or maybe mike mccarthy's offense just is is old school it's antiquated and it doesn't work anymore and so if he did rebuild it i mean the thing is you can't just say now i'm going to go run a shanahan offense or an andy reed offense or whatever you can't just snap your fingers and do that He, I mean, it it took him probably 10, 12, 15 years to to kind of perfect the system that he learned in the early 90s when he was with San Francisco. You can't just snap your fingers and say, well, I'm a head coach and I'm going to be a different kind of head coach. It doesn't really work that way. You can pick up things and add things to what you do, but it's still a Mike McCarthy offense. And so there's that concern. Now, obviously, you look at it and say, okay, this is still a talented offensive line. It's not as good, but it's really talented. You've got really good wide receivers, assuming CeeDee Lamb steps up. you got Ezekiel Elliott. you got Dak Prescott. They should be able to handle their business here. And that's fair. I'm not a big fan of, of the L.A. defense. Obviously, Aaron Donald is probably the best defensive player in all of football. He's an absolute freak, but it's going to take more of that. And you got a guy um, across from him like Zach Martin. That's one of the best guards in all of football. But next you got Floyd, Brockers, Okoronkwo. Doesn't even matter. These guys can't do anything. The guys next to Aaron Donald just they can't do anything. They don't have very good safeties. They don't have extremely good linebackers. Not a big fan of their corners. So I just think Dallas's offense. Dallas's offense should be able to wreck this defense. Whether or not they will, I don't know. But obviously the, the bigger issue for Dallas was their defense. And what is their defense going to be able to do? And if you look at it. I say, well, L.A.'s offense isn't very good. Well, they might be. They lost like two offensive linemen who are coming back. So the offensive line should be much better than it was last year. Uh, Woods and Cup are good wide receivers. Higby's a really, really good tight end. Gerald Everett is a good tight end. So they got two good tight ends. They got some good wide receivers. I mean, if this goes the way that it should go, obviously everything's up in the air. This game has a potential to be a bit of a shootout. Now, if, if Dallas decides to grind the clock with Ezekiel Elliott, then maybe not quite as much. But with Aaron Donald being the only good player on that defense, I don't know that smashing Ezekiel Elliott down their throat 24 hours a day um, is the best strategy. Especially, when, again, when we look at Mike McCarthy, who refuses to ever run the ball. I don't know that that happens. I think they try to air it out. And I think L.A. wants to air it out. I think this could be a really high-scoring game. I do think, ultimately, Dallas is the better team. I think they have a better chance on defense to stop them. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith at linebacker are a really solid duo you got DeMarcus Lawrence who is an extremely good pass rusher Uh, they picked up Everson Griffin who despite the Vikings fans uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth that he is no good anymore and it doesn't matter um, is a good pass rusher I think he was at 12-13% pressure percentage or whatever which is really solid. Not that he's a perfect prospect, but he's he more than capable of doing his job. I would rather have him than Yannick. No, that's not being biased or bitter. It's just a reality. He's a much better run defender and has been a better pass rusher the last two years in a row. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Dallas, but it could go either way. And I think it's very possible that Dallas continues to struggle and LA finds their groove and just destroys Dallas, which of course would be my preference. And then dead last, and it's, it's a little bit out of spite, and I'm the only one that's going to do this um, I'm taking Buffalo at one point, and it's a compromise because I actually said in my YouTube video, I'm taking the Jets over Buffalo. Not because I actually believe it, but it's kind of just a statement thing. I don't I don't believe in Buffalo. Um, it's hard to argue with the stats, but I don't think they have the best defensive roster. Maybe they just have a really good defensive uh, coach, similar to like with the Chiefs. Their roster is garbage. Not talking about Buffalo, I'm talking about the Chiefs, but they find a way to make it work. Buffalo has some talent, but I just don't see how they're as good as they are. And I genuinely think a big part of it is the fact that they're going up against, or they went up against a Patriots offense that was garbage. They went up against a Jets offense twice that's garbage. They went up against the Dolphins offense twice that's garbage. That's six games of garbage. Uh, it helps your defense get a little bit inflated. Not that that changes all that much this year, but still, it's just, it's, it's, it's. I don't think it's that good. And I think the bigger issue is, I, I think Josh Allen is a pretty bad quarterback. I don't like his wide receivers. Obviously, he has Stephon Diggs, who I think everybody is really super high on. I don't know how well that connection is going to work out. Obviously, it makes him better, but I'm just not big on it. I don't like their offensive line. I don't like their tight ends. They drafted a running back, but big deal. I mean, th- it's just, it's a terrible offense. This is one of the worst offenses in football. And we're, we're just assuming it's automatically going to be better than the Jets. Why? The Jets aren't terrible. Their defense isn't terrible. They, they should be good enough to be able to slow this garbage offense down. And on the flip side of it, I think Darnold has more ability to take a step forward. They upgraded their offensive line. They got Makai Becton at left tackle, who's an absolute freak. I mean, Fant on the other side is garbage, but... I mean, their two pass rushers are, are like 34 and 33 years old. They added Brashad Perriman, who I think is really talented. I think Herndon is a good tight end. They got Le'Veon Bell with which an, with an improved offensive line. Who's to say that can't become a really good running back I know listen I know the franchise is a mess and I'm not buying into the Jets necessarily I just don't think that the gap between the Bills and the Jets is all that disparate and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing the boat on this and the Buffalo Bills are going to dominate the division and all that kind of stuff I just I'm just not buying it and so I'm going to pick the Bills because everybody's probably right but just out of defiance I'm going to put them at number one because I'm just not buying I know Tredavious White is solid and Micah Hyde at safety is solid I think it's solid I think the linebackers are overrated Um, they got Ed Oliver who everyone's excited about he was 67th out of all defensive linemen last year according to PFF Um, again Trent Murphy is fine he's I mean I kind of lied about their ages he's only like going on 30 but Jerry Hughes is 32 years old I mean they're they're both pretty solid but I don't know man I'm sure Buffalo wins and I'll take the one point but again that's that's mostly just out of defiance and you better believe if the Jets pull off some kind of fluke win I'm going to be bragging about that but I'm just, I just, I don't, I don't see, I, I, I can't put that much stock into one of the worst quarterbacks in football. I can't. With, with a mediocre offensive line, no weapons, no real running back. I just, nah, eh, I'm not, I'm not getting all hyped up on that. I think that whole division is trash. But um, anyways, very quickly, rooting interest. Um, as far as Chiefs-Texans, the best case scenario was the Chiefs. N- I mean, depending on how you look at it. You'd like to see the Chiefs regress, because that gives us the best chance for a Super Bowl run. However, we play the Texans this year, and so if the Texans came out and just throttled the Kansas City Chiefs, that would scare me for Week 7. Philadelphia and Washington, likewise, we play Philadelphia again. Uh, I still expect Philadelphia to win, but if they lose that game, um, that would be the most beneficial thing that could happen for us. Again, because I'm worried about that game, we lost to Philadelphia last year, and if they come out and just absolutely annihilate Washington, which they probably will do anyway... Again, doesn't speak all that well, so we're, we're kind of hoping for Philly to at least not look very good. Pittsburgh and the Giants doesn't really matter. Um, we could say the Giants are an NFC team, so it matters, but I don't think it does. For me personally, I would like to see Pittsburgh not do as well because, again, they are a Super Bowl contender. Otherwise, no real interest for me in that game. Colts-Jaguars, I'm. I'm we, we, we play both of those teams. In fact, we play them back-to-back, but I still... I'm more worried about the Jacks, or excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts. I'm really worried about that dominant offensive line and their run game, um, and so that's the one thing I want to watch for. When I did this preview months ago, when I went through the the uh, the schedule, I highlighted the offensive line and their running game, and the fact that that terrifies me against the Green Bay Packers' inability to stop the run. So again, if they do run for 200 yards against Jacksonville, as I said, they should. That's just going to horrify me conversely again if Jacksonville wins that just makes me smile it doesn't have any implications down the road because they're both AFC teams. I I don't really expect either of them in the Super Bowl but I wouldn't be mad if they were either way it really just comes down to not even so much wins and losses just how do they perform and if it's not as smooth of an operation that at least makes me feel a little bit better you know there's a lot of people talking about Philip Rivers is kind of on the steep decline in this point in his career that that would at least make me happy or if Jacksonville was able to get to Phillip Rivers, because again, the offensive line is, is pretty stout. And if some non-pass rushers are getting to Phillip Rivers, that's that's exciting. Cleveland and Baltimore, I mean, no disrespect to my man Lamar. I think he's going to be a good quarterback for a real long time. But um, as much as I was excited about him coming out and, and the potential of, of, you know, I remember saying I didn't really believe in him because it's very rare to have somebody that's that athletic also be able to play quarterback and and that whole dynamic. But if it did happen, how amazing that would be to watch. So we got to see it. It was amazing. Now I'm ready for it to stop. (laughs) If he could just completely fall off and not be good anymore, um, and Baltimore's not that good, that'd be great. Because it's already nearly impossible to compete with the Chiefs. I don't need another AFC team that's impossible to compete with. Although there's only one AFC team we're going to have to fight in the Super Bowl. So still... That would be great. Um, Arizona-San Francisco, it's its really obvious for me. There's a lot of talk that San Francisco may have a bit of a hangover. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but um, they were terrible two years ago. There are some question marks. There are some holes. I still think San Francisco is going to be a good team, but if there is, uh, similar to, like, you know, the Carolina Panthers, when they went 15-1 and won, and then went to the Super Bowl and lost, and everybody thought they were going to be dominant because they got the defense and the offense and all that stuff, and they came back and were just terrible. Slightly different scenario again, right? They were in the Super Bowl, and then they faced the team that won the Super Bowl in Week 1, which was the Denver Broncos in law, um, but still. If Arizona comes out and clobbers San Francisco, I'm going to be happy. Despite the fact that I've been saying I'm not buying into Arizona, I will happily eat those words and and live happily ever after. Seattle and Atlanta, clearly the best case scenario, although I don't want to see a resurgent Atlanta because they've given us a hard time over the years. If Seattle is not able to succeed after spending all that money, and if the the decline continues despite their last-ditch effort to keep this thing alive, that's absolutely the best case scenario for me um Atlanta just needs or excuse me Seattle just needs to fade out of existence I've been uh, (coughs) my throat is like no stop talking we got we gotta clear this out a little bit I've been waiting for this team to die off forever they their their talent has gotten down to a point where there's almost nobody left and with their quarterback they've been able to hang on for dear life I don't think they're going to fall off this year but if Atlanta is able to pound Seattle and remember how the season ended for them last year. That was a team that had nothing left in the tank, and the Packers just embarrassed them, which is hilarious. I was listening to, uh, I think it was the PFT podcast or whatever. And they were talking about, oh, the Packers only beat two playoff teams last year. It's like, you didn't even include the team that was in the playoffs that we beat in the playoffs. They didn't include Seattle in that. Apparently Seattle isn't a playoff team. I don't know. Uh, Tampa, New Orleans, I don't really know. I mean, it's one of those things kind of like training camp where if, if the offense scores a touchdown, are you excited about the touchdown or are you upset that the defense didn't stop if Tampa wins am I excited that the Saints are already falling apart or am I worried that now we have the Saints and Tampa to worry about so I don't really know we have to face both teams I I guess just a bad bad game on both sides is what I'm rooting for like a, a three to nothing game would be nice Packers Minnesota that's pretty straightforward Chargers, Cincinnati, I don't really care. They're both garbage teams. It would be nice to see the Chargers lose just because they beat us last year. And and also, it'd be kind of cool to see if Joe Burrow can kind of step up. And I got AJ Green on several of my teams because I'm just, I'm all about AJ Green. I know you don't usually want to take a wide receiver on a terrible team like that, but I, you know, against my own conventional wisdom, I'm doing it because I just, I want to. I want to have fun with fantasy. Not just, if everything's all cerebral and everything, it takes the fun out of it. I can be a fan if I want to. I've drafted K.J. Hamler in two of my leagues, too. He's not even playing, just because I want him. Raiders-Carolina, it would make sense to root against Carolina because they're an NFC team. Also, I do think Vegas... Yeah, that's probably... Because we do play Carolina and not the Raiders, so I guess we're, we're rooting for uh, a non-resurgent Carolina. So we want the Raiders to win that game. Tennessee and Denver, I'm mostly afraid of Tennessee, so if Denver pulls that off, I'm not going to be upset. Um, also, if Derrick... That... that I don't know. That, w- that would worry me. If Derrick Henry isn't going off, then it's going to be like, all right, that's awesome. We don't have to worry about Derrick Henry. The Tennessee Titans probably aren't going to be a threat. But then I'm going to be looking at A.J. Dillon like, man, my whole thing is I want you to be Derrick Henry, and then Derrick Henry has two good years and falls off. That That's not great. If he does go off, then I can get excited about, yeah, that'll be us one day. So I don't know. I guess I don't really care about that game so much. New England, Miami, who cares? I want New England to lose because of the Patriots. Chicago, Detroit, again, I take your pick. I don't really care. I, I'm guessing most people are rooting for Detroit just out of hatred for Chicago. I'm, I just I don't know. I guess either way, one of these teams is 0-1, so I'm, I'm happy with that. I think I might pull for Chicago a little bit. Again, largely because Detroit is down several players that are going to be coming back, meaning they're going to be getting stronger. So while they're down, I want them to, to loot. Again, it's possible that Chicago wins, and I'm celebrating it, and then Chicago ends up winning 11 games, and I regret rooting for Detroit but that's where my head's at right now. I'm, I'm going to very, and it, it's hard to even get the words out of my mouth, very slightly be pulling for Chicago while simultaneously somehow rooting for a a loss for both teams. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. I would like Trubisky to look like garbage, though. That'd be great. I don't need him popping off in year three or four or whatever year he's in. Uh, Dallas and the Rams. I'm pulling for the Rams just because I don't like Dallas and I don't want Dallas to do well. I, You know, I got nothing against Mike McCarthy, but I mean, come on, do you want to see Mike McCarthy hoisting a trophy in, in Dallas? I mean, I'm, I'm fine if you want to win the division once in a while, but just, eh. I wish the Giants would get better. I don't have anything against the Giants. If the Giants could just win, and beat Dallas and the Eagles, who are another team I don't like, it would just be best for everybody. But yeah, pulling for the Rams. Jets, Buffalo. Again, I'm pulling for the Jets just out of defiance. I don't like the Buffalo Bills very much, although Buffalo is the best chance to dethrone the Patriots, which would be nice. So it'd be good for them to get that train rolling so that they can unseat the, the Patriots, and that's good for everybody. But I still want the Jets to win just because I don't like Buffalo. Actually, that's, that's not even true. I, I do like Buffalo. I don't know why I'm so anti-Buffalo. That's been saying for years, Buffalo is my second favorite team in football. I just, again, that's just how I operate. When people say something's really, really something, and I look at it and say it's not, I just, I can't help it. It just makes me angry, and then I root against my own team that I like. <sighs> Anyways, hopefully that was halfway entertaining. It's kind of just giving my thoughts on these games. But um, got football today. Super, super excited. Again, remember, I'm planning on doing a stream starting an hour before the game. So that would be 11 o'clock Central It would be 12 o'clock Eastern. I'm not going to do any others because I don't know and I don't feel like it. Saying stuff wrong and Googling things. I'm sure you're smart enough to figure out how to Google a conversion to your time. I mean, I got people living in Ireland. Do you want me to convert it for them? But I I, I do hope you guys jump on there. Like everything else, I, I try a bunch of different stuff. And if I try it once and it's not a positive response, I probably just won't do it again because I got a million things I want to do and I want to try. So if nobody shows up and asks questions and jumps in there and it's it's kind of just a waste of my time when I could be upstairs eating ribs and instead I'm talking to myself into a computer screen, I'm not going to be very happy and I'm, I'm just not going to do it again. So be great if you guys could show up there. Again, Packernet Podcast Facebook page is where that's going to be going. I will try to remember to post that in the group so that people who are too lazy to like the page can also be a part of it. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you later today, possibly multiple times. We'll see how it goes. And then again tomorrow, hopefully for Victory Monday. I was going to, well, we'll save it. I need to stop talking. Have a good day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.